continuing with our series uh, on running the race, all right? And if you haven't stayed up to date on that, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is to go back and listen, because we're getting like little snippets, right? I think sometimes, like what will happen is, is we'll read Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, and and we'll say, run the race marked out for you. And we spend like 30 minutes or 45 minutes, and then it's like you forget about it. And we forget that the narrative of Hebrews 12, I want you to remember that. Those verses are an answer to everything that was written from Hebrews 10.37 all the way through Hebrews 12. Have you ever remembered, like if somebody were to ask you, what's your favorite chapter in the Bible? Oftentimes you go, Hebrews 11. And we know Hebrews 11 like it's this standalone thing in the Bible, except the writer of Hebrews, it wasn't standalone. It actually goes well before Hebrews 11, Hebrews 10, 37, and it's responding to the writer um, describing something from an Old Testament book, Habakkuk chapter 2. And remember, we went all the way back and started reading the true context of it, because I think sometimes when we hear run the race, um, there, there's different personality types. And if your personality type is like type A, and this is great, and run the race, and it's going to be so regimented, and this is awesome, well, that's great if you hear that. Uh, but then if you're not like the type A, you're like, oh, dang, run the race, like that's not my idea of really the Christian life. I don't run for fun, right? That's not enjoyable to me to train and all of these things. When we read it in context, we understand that he's talking about all of us, and it's not about a personality type, but it's really this life. We choose to run, and that every one of us right now, at this moment in time, you've decided to run a race, and there's probably different groups of us in here. There's some of us that maybe you have never even given thought to what race you're running or where the finish line is. Like, you're just like, I'm just trying to do best, kind of instinctively, all right? There may be some of you that you're like, no, I'm absolutely running towards Jesus, except you haven't gone back and examined the gospel that you're believing in, all right? And remember what we've talked about is the gospel that we believe in will determine the disciples that we are, all right? So that's really important. And then there, you may be like, no, I am in the word. I like am staying focused. Like I'm, my eyes are fixed on Jesus, all right? And that's the place we want to get to that place, right? Um, and so I don't know where you are. I, I don't know what's going on. And that's the beautiful thing, isn't it? Is Wouldn't it be bad if one person knew like, one guy knew, you'd be, you know, Yariel's like, oh, gosh, man, I, <laughs> that would make me nervous. Except here's the thing. God does know right now. Like, he knows. And it doesn't matter. We could put, like, the outside on, and we can even do, like, spiritual things. And God isn't cool about that. All right? He's not looking for a performance. He's going, hold on, what's deep inside? What's really in there? What's, what race are they running like, you know, what are they really trusting that I am their loving father? Remember we talked a couple weeks ago as well as what's important about that starting point is that we can't hide from God. We can't run from God. We can't, like, pretend to be something we're not in the sight of God. The beautiful thing about that is, is that there's no way right now, if you're a disciple, that you can get closer to God than you are right now. That's really an important part of the gospel and sometimes we even think, I think sometimes we often think, well, no, we're teaching the right doctrine. We automatically have the right gospel. And, I, you know, your gospel 
you've got to like figure out what your gospel is because your gospel may be teaching you like I have to work my way to get closer to God. Right? That's not Jesus' gospel. He's not saying like, hey, do you want to know what you did at quiet time this morning? Because if you didn't, you're not close to God. He's saying, no, you actually should have done it because you are close to God. Like you can't get any close. You believe that to be true. If you're washed in the blood of Jesus, that there's no way in the rest of your existence you can get any closer to God. And, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Is, going, oh, is he saying like we're far away and we can't get any closer? I'm saying, no, you're, you're too close. You're closer than you think. He's in you. You're in him. It doesn't, there's no degree of closer in that case. And so that's an important aspect, okay? We're going to talk about a case study today. All right, we're going to talk about a case study in someone who's run the race, and these are the things to me that makes me nervous a little bit to talk about case studies, because we're going to talk about somebody who's one of our own, who's one of ours, and you're going, oh gosh, that like is that fair to that person? But I think it should be. I think I'm I'm called to preach the word. I think it's like so. I'm like, no, if we're going to learn from this, we're going to learn from one of our own, and it's somebody we know. And somebody, doesn't that make sense? Like, oh, it makes more sense when it's not abstract. And it's a person, it's a it's it's someone we, we know, someone who'd say, oh no, they're with us. They're except kind of their life isn't categorized by obeying God. Their life is categorized by just being called a believer. Somebody that's just like, no, I'm I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a part of the community of faith, right? But there's something in there that's like, no, I can look this way, but my, I'm not interested in obeying. In fact, they're not interested in listening to the Word of God. And we know this person, and I'm not sure how you're feeling about this right now. I'm not sure if you're thinking, is he going to call my name? I don't know. <laughs> but this is someone we all know. We're going to read about him in the book of Jonah. Okay. But here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to stop a second. Is I want you to kind of examine what you were thinking and what you are feeling. Because of what I described, see, what I just did, I turned it abstract to us. And we're like, oh, I'm totally good with that. Okay, I'm, I'm fine with Jonah being called out publicly, but not me. All right, now I stop and I just let us stop for a second and think about that. Some of you are ready to jump down my throat. Okay, even if it wasn't you, you were going to come to their aid. You're going to be like, no, no, you can't do that. But when it became Jonah, it was okay, right? <laughs> Isn't it okay? Yeah. It's okay with you that we talk about Jonah. I want you to say that because we just got real personal, and our gospel has taught us that, no, I'd rather hear it impersonally. The Bible's abstract to me. Like, I don't really care about Jonah, all right? Except if I had said, no, please stand up. Riley, please stand up. I'm talking about you. Everybody in here would have been like, that's wrong. You're judging him. You don't know. Blah, blah, blah. And all that kind of stuff. Instead of going, whoa. How are we following Jesus? Yeah. How are we following the word of God? Right? Because right now, if I'm feeling better than it's Jonah, that is repentance for us all. Yeah. For real. Because what it's telling us is, 
This isn't personal to me. I'm okay talking about other people as long as it's not me or people I'm close to. Because then it becomes really challenging, huh? And so you might go, oh, man, who's he talking about? Somebody that claims to be one of the number, one of the community of faith? Somebody who, man, says that? But really when it comes down to, are you listening to what God is saying? Is the word obedience part of our lexicon, part of our verbiage, part of part of how we live our life? Like, there's what I want to do. There's what I think is right. I'm just going to kind of tell you, like, my thought process, okay? When it comes to Keith, there's what I want to do that, first and foremost, I hope is what Jesus wants to do as well, because then we would be friends. If Jesus wants to do what I want to do, we're going to have a lovely relationship, okay? Then there's what I think is the right thing to do. Uh, you, you with me on that one? Like that idea of going, no, but it, it makes sense to do it this way. And then there's what Jesus wants me to do. There's how Jesus wants me to be. And it may be at complete odds to what I like or what I think is right. And that's what we're talking about right here. So we have Jonah right here. You can turn to Jonah. If you haven't found Jonah yet, please do. All right? And we have right here in uh, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. In this case study, this is really important for me and you to grasp onto it again, to personalize it instead of like, it might have already happened, and if it has happened, I can't stop that in your mind. But I'm calling you, if you can, to bring that back to that feeling you had. Yeah. And, and go, hold on a minute. And it said, Jonah ran away from the Lord. It, as we read the Bible, it's really important for us to get an idea of what Jonah had been taught about God. And it may be similar to what we've been taught about God. Okay? Jonah was taught somewhere along the line that you actually could go somewhere where God couldn't see you. Okay? That you could actually find a place that God would leave you alone. That you could go somewhere. That was his instinct when he was called. He's like, there ain't no way I'm going to those people. There's, uh, uh-uh, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm, I'm running away from the Lord. And maybe that's the gospel you heard too. And it, and it might not be, understand what I'm saying. It may not be from the pulpit you hear it. It may be the worldview that you've adopted. Is I can actually go places and run away to a place where I feel totally justified in being who I am, that God isn't seeing me. You know, there are these secret places to go. This is where Jonah went. He's like, I'm out of here. To flee, verse 4, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And a violent storm arose. You guys know the story, right? You can go back and read it if you don't. But he's on this ship, and God is just like, fine. You want to know what, Jonah? You can't get away from me. All right? You cannot get away. Yeah, I'm on. This, this sea is going to turn you up, and everyone's going to be looking around, and they're like, what happened? Who is it? Right? Somebody here, those guys are like, somebody's done something to God. Because this is unnatural, even for us. And let's figure it out. And they cast lots. And it came on Jonah. Right? And, and Jonah said this, and they asked him, verse 8, who is responsible for making this trouble? What do you do? Where do you come from? From what people are you? 
And he says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. He's it's like us going, no, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sundays. I go to midweek on Wednesday. That's, that's who I, I worship. And isn't it interesting that he says, no, I worship the Lord who I'm running away from. Do you see the inconsistency there? Have you ever felt that in your life? I have. I mean, not in your life, but in mine. Is, it, is there a time to slow down enough to go, wow, what I'm saying and who I'm saying I'm following are two very different things. Right? And it's so funny, Jonah was like, no, he was perfectly okay with saying, this is who I am. In fact, the God who made everything. Like, almost like, this is great, isn't it great? <laughs> I follow him. And they're like, well, the heck is wrong with you? Right? What did you do? And he says, listen, here's what you guys need to do. Just toss me over. Can you imagine being that miserable? Where you're just like, the only way that I'm going to help you guys is going to have to toss me overboard. Okay? Uh, again, this is one of those things if you're taking notes. I, I don't want it to be like a sermon point, but I do want you to go back and think about it. Isn't it interesting for these guys, this crew of people who were pagans, they didn't know God. Alright? They didn't know God. And here's Jonah amongst them, a follower of God, somebody who God has spoken to. And their lives were better without that person with them. Not about that before. Like sometimes we think there's no consequence in me not following Jesus. Like, like I can kind of think, like, well, hey, I'll get there, and I'm going to kind of bebop through life, and like I'm going to try, and all this kind of stuff. And there's no consequence. I'm not affecting the people around me. But it's interesting. It was better for the pagans when Jonah wasn't among them. God stopped the storm in their life when Jonah was away from them. That's interesting to think about the, the consequence we may have when we aren't going, hold on, God, I'm listening, and I'm obeying you. Like, that's a very... Um, that, that's a part of the gospel we've got to remember we're running the race is listening and obeying and going wow when I'm not listening and obeying the people around me I'm actually making it worse for them to be right with God you just think about that I want you to kind of look through it you don't have to like you have to put all your chips in that one but I do want you to pray about it I want you to think about it because I think those are hard truths sometimes yeah. that we don't really think about and so you have this, and then God, it, it, love this wording here, okay? Verse 17, they, they chunk Jonah off the boat. Has, has anybody here ever swam in the ocean before? Okay, like, I like swimming in lakes, that's great. You ever been out in the ocean, you look, and there's like no land out in front of you. It's scary. I mean, it feels like there's monsters underneath you and you know all these kinds of things which there are monsters god made the sea full of things that want to eat people okay the kraken that's exactly right okay listen to this right here i want you to think about this verse 17 the lord provided a great fish to eat jonah is that interesting would you use those wording that wording Running away from the Lord. You're just like, I'm not listening to you. I'm not obeying you. I'm just going to be like Joe Christian, like sitting in the audience, uh, and I'm just, just minding my business. Don't like tread on my life, you know, all that kind of stuff. And God provided a fish to eat you. Would you say, wow, God provided that for me? <laughs> How do we usually describe when things don't go our way in life? 
Save me. Save me. Save me. Right? Yes, thank you. That wasn't even on my list. <laughs> Good one, man. What else do you say? When things aren't going your way, you go, man, Satan is really after me. Right now, doesn't that make me feel better? Because if Satan's after me, that means me and Jesus are doing the same thing. Like, that's lingo for I'm right. Okay? Well done. What else do we say? Life's not going well. What do we say? God provided. God really provided the thing that's going to eat me in the open sea. <laughs> what do you say? Maybe you don't say much, but, you know, if you, like, for me, um, I start looking at everything like, do you ever feel like I'm just being punished? Maybe, I don't know, maybe you've never felt that way. I, mean, I grew up in Catholic Church. I mean, being punished by God was like a, a good thing. You know what I mean? You're like, yes! You know? Um, but it's the idea of seeing God again. The gospel we believe will determine the disciples we are. And if the gospel I believe is that God is angry, and he's just like, until you're perfect, I'm going to do things to you to make you absolutely miserable. And the only, the end game for God in our mind is, some, you know, just mercy, right? Just like, you ever played that game, you know, mercy? You guys remember that? You know, you hurt somebody long enough until yeah. they give up, right? We're like, that's God. He wants to hurt me, all right? And that's not the gospel either. I want you to just kind of put that down. God provided. I want you to think about the implications to that. Okay, God provided a fish to eat Jonah. All right? And he let him live in his belly for three days. That's what you wanted, right? I mean, you're like, you know what would be awesome? Is a fish that was so big I could live in his, like, acid reflux stomach, you know, for three days, 72 hours in this thing, okay? And then, obviously, verse 1 of chapter 2, Jonah does what all Christians would do, or God followers. He has a great quiet time in the belly, right? He's like, from inside the fish, I mean, sometimes you have to read that and go, the Lord is hilarious, Okay, this is in the Bible. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed. You're like, no kidding. Like, like, like really? That, I never would have guessed that that's what he would have done, right? And it's it's the prayer we all would pray in our distress. Right? That should make us feel okay, a little bit. Like, oh man, I would pray that same prayer, okay? Except he's taking accountability. Like, it's, it's dawning on him. Like, he's using what God provided to let the light bulb go off. Like, no, no, no. God isn't trying to, like, punish here. Like, there's something else to it. And he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. From the depths of the grave, I called. He said, you listen to me. You hurled me into the deep. Verse 4, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threaten me. You know, and he goes on. Um... And, and, and even in verse 8, he says, you cling to worthless idols and forfeit the grace that could be yours. Uh, but I'm singing this song of thanksgiving. And then the Lord commanded the fish, and the fish barfed Jonah up on dry land. I don't know, I've never seen a fish throw up before. But a big fish? I mean, we've got to, like, picture this, because you're going, hold on a minute, this is like a baby tale story. Right, <laughs> right. right. But, but our context is, we're going, oh, no, this didn't really happen. This wasn't real. All right? 
It's just like this cartoon, and I'm going, wow, could you imagine? You know, I mean, seriously, you've got to, like, picture that of this violent, like, regurgitation of Jonah after he's, like, prayed. You don't know, like, his condition or anything, but obviously he's like, whoa, something's, like, okay, God, you've got my attention. All right? And that's part of, like, as we're running the race, that may be exactly where we are right now. Like, you've got my attention. God, you've provided for me, and it hasn't been what I would have wanted provided. Like, it's been hardship. It's been frustration. It's been these things, but but the light bulb has gone off. That you're trying to tell me something, and I'm not listening to you. Okay? And for Jonah, it took him to get eaten by a fish and barked up on the land for it that to happen. Right? My question to all of us is, what will it take for all of us to get to that? Because we live in an increasingly noisy world and an increasingly distracted world. And when we put those things together, there's only one thing we can do as a culture to be okay with where we are. We have to make our gospel match up with our world. Just stay with me here. I want you to think about this. The American gospel is not about slowing down and listening and obeying. Right? It's about keeping up with the culture. It's about keeping up. It's about, no, no, you just sing more Christian songs. And you just wear more Christian clothes. And you just be a good person. And you engage in like this American culture of Christianity to which you can fit into. Okay? And that's an American gospel. Alright? Jonah is, God is teaching him, no, no, no. The gospel is people getting away from the noise enough. Have you ever done that before? Like you've sat somewhere in silence and it's been almost painful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of normal. Right. You sit there and it's quiet. And, you, and, and if you've ever done this before, like I would encourage you to set your, set your timer on your phone and sit down. And sit down in a chair with your feet flat on the ground, your hands on your, 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 hands on your uh, legs. Just sit down in a chair. And, and just sit there. And that may be one of the most difficult things you do in your week. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's harder than bench pressing lots of weight. It's, it's, I, I, I think, man, if I was in the gym and it was this hard, I wouldn't do this exercise. All right? It's so difficult because our mind has been geared up and stimulated constantly. And that little, that, that bone that we have, that light, it stimulates our brain. That light, that particular light, it stimulates a portion of our brain that keeps going and then what we end up doing is then there's no one left to go, y'all slow down. Because we're all going that fast. And we're all like living in the world of Jonah where we call ourselves members and we call ourselves Christians, but there isn't anybody slowing down going, hold on a minute. Is it hearing God? Is anybody obeying God anymore? Or have we just like gotten into this frantic world of American gospel Christianity? All right? And until, it, it's not a matter of saying, we're going to agree with that. It's a matter of everybody going, you know what I'm going to start doing? Building this into my life. Like quiet stillness. All right? Because there's no sermon. You can't hear enough sermons that will change a heart. Like there's no way. Like there's no possible way that my words can change your heart. God's words can. But if we don't go alone with God on a fairly regular basis without like the music in the background, without all of those things, 
And I, as I've shared with you before, I mean, we've had some really interesting responses to that, where we've talked about doing that. There have actually been angry responses to that. And you're thinking, boy, that would be weird. No, because what we're doing is we're actually scratching the surface into the voice of God. Satan is perfectly happy with us living the American gospel. Be good, go to church, do everything you can, not go to hell. And what we're hearing is, is God is going, no, I'm going to provide things for you, and these things may be on a spectrum of irritating, to frustrating, to painful, to agonizing, to surreal. Is it going to take a fish throwing me up on the, you know, we, we had a brother in Tallahassee, <clears throat> I remember, and he had this complete kind of repentant mindset. He said, you know, I went up, he went walking up on a mountain. And he said, I got up there and I realized that um, I was so stubborn to God and so unrepentant and so much just about my way and what I felt like was right and just being a good person. I felt like, you know what, I was in such a hard place that God was going to have to do something catastrophic to me for me to open my eyes. And he said, I did not want that. I did not want that for my children. I did not want that for my wife. It was like the light bulb went off. He's like, am I really going to go down this path until God has to do something? And like to him, he was like, is God going to have to take away my facilities to walk or use my arms or people, whatever? And, and it became like, hold on a minute. This is going to affect people I love if I don't like get very humble right now and listen. But you had to get away from the noise. Okay? And if we don't decide to do that, and I mean really on a daily basis, and this is me and you and all of us, we're going to be like frantic American Christians that attend church but don't really make an impact on the community. Okay. And so that's that's the thing that we're learning here from Jonah. And so in Jonah, then in chapter 3, uh, again, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Again, hopefully you're learning something by reading the entire book of Jonah about God. Is <laughs> even through this, God wasn't like, I'm not talking to Jonah anymore. He wasn't like, I'm done with you. I'm not using you anymore. It wasn't this, like, let me throw my hands up in frustration. Let me go find. He said, no, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim this message. And verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. And he went to Nineveh. On the first day, Jonah started into the city in verse 4 right now. He proclaimed to the Ninevites, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. And the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on a sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation. The king is like, everyone in this city is going to hear about this. Okay? It's, here it is. Don't let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste any. Don't feed your cows. Don't feed your animals, even. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways, their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so we won't perish. And when God saw that they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened context here. So Nineveh, the Assyrians, okay, enemies of Israel. Just kind of log that into your brain. God sent somebody to his enemy. 
with a message of repentance. And his enemy repented, and God was like, I'm having compassion on them. Hopefully that changes your view of God. All right, Because in the American gospel, there are groups of people we can hate. That's what the American gospel says. All right, In the gospel of God, he's like, no, actually, I send people everywhere. I send prophets to my enemies. I send prophets to people who aren't my people. I send prophets to my people. Right? God's message is getting out. Here's the principle that as we run the race, this case study, here's one of the things I want us to really embody. Okay? And this is that discipleship, all right? the life that you're called to live. I want you to know when I say that word. Discipleship, the life that, that Jesus is calling us to live. Right? Discipleship in Jesus is discipleship for others. You think about that. All right? Discipleship, the life that you're being called to right now, the person you're being called to be by Jesus, the life he's saying for you to live, the, the boundaries he sets up of morality and the boundaries he sets up in love and the boundaries that he sets up, the American gospel says, it's so you can live a really great life. Right? It's for you to get blessed. Like, live these things so God can make your life good. Do these things, like, live this way so God can make you happy, okay? I want you to pay attention. This is the true gospel. Discipleship in Jesus is discipleship for others. Okay? God was working in Jonah's life, not for Jonah to have a better life. Okay? In fact, God was not interested in sending Jonah somewhere he wanted to go. All right? Have you thought about that? Like when you take a job or you move or something like that, oftentimes we think, I want to find where I want to go, and then God meet me there. And the gospel is the opposite of that. God is going, I'm working there, now you go and meet me. Like we need to really think about it this way, because there could be, you see how fine the line is between the American gospel and what God calls us to? Yeah. And, and, and if our gospel is the American gospel then we're going to run a race, but the finish line is whoever can save you with the American gospel, he's going to have to show up and save us. That's not Jesus. Okay? We're going to, at the end of the line, we're going to have to have a savior. All right? The real gospel has Jesus at the end of the line. Okay? The American gospel doesn't. At the end of the line, death is death. Okay? So that's why we have to really get our minds around this is God is working in our lives right now both good, and maybe he's providing hardship for others to hear his message. Discipleship in Jesus is discipleship for others, okay? What do you think? Is that going to change? That might be a change in thinking. Like, maybe I have never asked, like, God, where do you want me to be? I, a lot of times our starting point is, I'm going to go somewhere and start the work of God. The gospel is God is working now go and join him in his work. All right? Have you prayed that before you went on campus? Like if you thought, wow, when I go in this class, that's when God is going to start working. Or if you pray, God, here's where I'm, please, you're working right now. Show me where I can join you in your ministry. Show me where I can join you. See the difference? Versus, versus I'm going to go do things and God, you meet me there. Okay? That changes how we Get married, how we choose jobs, how we choose schools, how we choose, like, where are you? You want to know what happens sometimes is you get out of college, 
And what ends up happening is you get bored in church. You get out of college, you're like, there's two choices after college. Either get married or get bored. Okay? And we forget that in whatever life we're in, in college we get kind of enamored by, by the fun, like things happening all the time, you know? I mean, you, a lot of you guys that have graduated recently, you're like, dang, it was kind of nice going to all in for a few hours a day. Yeah. But that doesn't really exist in real life, does it? That's like Disney World for disciples, right? And like, you wake up, and here's the difference between am I going to be bored and unproductive and just kind of do my thing, or am I going to live this vibrant life of following Jesus? Yeah. Is realizing like what's your ministry going to be now? Like that's the question is, is okay, well, I've been given a lot with a campus ministry, but now I'm out here, like, what will my ministry be? Okay, I'll give you an example. Like there's a brother down in Tallahassee who was in our campus ministry. He graduated, and what was on his heart was he wanted to help dads parent their boys. This is a 24-year-old kid, okay? He doesn't have that. But it was on his heart. He's like, no, no, I can facilitate that though. Like I can I can have things that dads can bring their boys to, and I can have activities, and I can serve in that way because that was his ministry. Right? It went away from Sunday morning service. Now that's his ministry that he does. Okay? And so we've got to think, where is God working that he's calling you to join him? Okay? That's very different here in Jonah. And then we go on. They repented, right? You get excited when people repent, right? I mean, Jonah's seen the light, right? He's a different guy. He spent some time in a fish and all these kind of things. In chapter 4, to finish up here, Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Did you imagine? Okay. This isn't far from our culture. Um, you ever thought, okay, let, let's say we go to Jacob's baptism, okay? There's Jacob getting baptized, and somebody goes, you know what, man? He didn't go through the same studies I went through. I had to go, like, to sin study, like, three times. He didn't have to do that. He's getting baptized? Like, what's up with that? All right? I'm not making up that conversation either, by the way. <laughs> okay? Like, hold on a minute. They didn't have to go. What, what do you mean? No, no, no. I had to go through three weeks of... You know, I have Jonah. God, what do you mean you have compassion on them? No, 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 no. I ain't happy with their repentance. How come they got it easy and I'm in the stinking fish? Where's their fish? You ever thought about that? Like, why does that person have it so easy? How come, how come I have to have it hard and you have it easy? Like, I'm not happy about their repentance. Because to Jonah, discipleship in, in God was discipleship for him, not for others. And you couldn't rejoice in repentance here, okay? And this is what he says uh, later on, right down there. This is why I was so quick to flee. This is why I was so quick to run from you, God. I knew you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, who relents from sin and calamity. Now, take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. He's like, I'm sick and tired of this. Like, I thought I was your guy. Like, what about my life? My life's not that great. What are you doing to me? Like, you're not even, don't you love me? Like, you love these people, and they're evil, and they're all these things. You want to honor that? Just let me die. And Jonah went down and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made a shelter, and he sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. He's like, well, maybe God will still punish him. 
I'm just going to sit here and wait. Man, I can't wait for that day. I'm going to wait here. Verse 6, the Lord God provided a vine to make it grow up over Jonah and give shade for his head. Isn't that great? That's better than a thing. God's like, Jonah, I know you're waiting for me to destroy all the evil people. Let me give you a vine that will give you some shade. Could you imagine that? Like the blessing of the Lord is on me. Finally, God has seen that I am right. All right? Have you ever done that before? Like, like, okay, the bad is like Satan is after me. The good is like God has ordained everything I'm doing is right. Have you ever done that? Like, the Lord is with me because he has given me this. Instead of going, nah, I'm going to give you a vine. I'm going to provide a vine for the shade. You go, this is so good. See, when I'm right with God, he gives me all the good things I want. Verse 7, at dawn the next day, God provided something else, though, a worm, which chewed the vine so it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And he wanted to die, and he said, it'd be better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? And he's getting deeply into his theology right here. It's like, Jonah, you know what? I can do whatever I want to do. Like, really? You're going to be angry at the vine? You were happy with the vine yesterday. And I provide the worm, and, the, and you're going to be angry. Do you have the right to be angry about that? I, I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this vine, so you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well, should I not be concerned about that great city? Right? God has like opened his eyes at this point. It's like, hold on a minute. Remember, Jonah, I was working in your life for them. Like, I want you to obey me. Like, you came to the conclusion that I was compassionate, and you were still not okay with them repenting. Okay? Like, this is how stubborn and stiff-necked. All right? And so we've got to think in our mind, like, where am I on this, like, case study? Or am I along the line? Am I fighting God because my gospel is, God, you're just supposed to, like, give me good things. Like, I, I was baptized, and that was the end of the gospel. You give me good things. Like, my life should be good, and God is going, no. Discipleship for you is discipleship for others. Like, how are the people around me and you? experiencing the love of God. How is that going? Like, start simple in our own homes. Like, how is mom and dad and children and all that stuff, how are they experiencing the goodness of God and how he's working in us? Is that happening? Or is it sometimes easy? So you may live at home, I don't know, rather you argue. You live at home with mom and dad, so I don't know if any other college students here do, so I just point you out straight up, okay? <laughs> Isn't it easier, and for the, for the middle school kids too, it's easier to kind of not be a disciple in your home, right? Isn't it easy to do that? I'm not saying you do it. <laughs> other people do it, okay? You don't, okay? I'm just saying. But it's always easier to not be a Christian in your own home. Okay, so think about that. Am I old? listening and obeying to what God is telling me, so that he, as he works through me, he's being known to the people closest to me. In my family group, in my group of three, my friends and my classmates, how is what God is doing to me 
showing them the goodness of God. How am I allowing that to work in me so that they can see the goodness of God? If I don't know what that is, or if they aren't seeing it, or if they don't know, then we're really on that stage in Jonah's life where we're like, I'm not going. And, and remember, we have been called. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. I mean, Jesus said that. Now, wherever, however you feel about that verse, is, is, he's still saying. <laughs> he's like, go make disciples. Disciples are people that follow, obey, love, passionately love me. And I will. Go, go make disciples. I'm going to work in you so that can happen. All right? And so we've got to kind of dig into that, okay? Turn over to Matthew chapter 12, because we take our communion now. Uh, it's really interesting because Jesus sums this up. You, you might be thinking, wow, did, did this even happen? Is this true? Is this like, uh, like, was this just a made-up story they put in the Bible? Except Jesus himself, when he was given the opportunity, told this same story. And he's like, no, this really happened. In Matthew 12, verse 38, some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. You ever done that before? Like, God, give me a miraculous sign. And he said some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, I think for me, and maybe if you're honest too, I don't know, maybe you're not, I think our tendency can be more pharisaical <coughs> than like pure, like, you know, God intention, okay? And he's saying a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign. But none will be given except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. <coughs> I want you to think about that. God is saying there are going to be people that you think can't be saved, that on judgment day, you're going to look and they're judging you. Could you imagine that? We can't. Don't even try. I mean, because we think, man, no, God loves us so much more, we're automatically in that group. Except he's going, hold on. Not if you're not interested in my will. If it's about you going places and me following you, that there will be evil people even, like the Assyrians. That on judgment day, when you're like high-fiving all your boys, like, yeah, let's go, we're going, we're going. And Assyrian is going to jump in front of you and go, come on. You didn't repent. And you can go, well, who are you? And be like, I'm a God. We repented when we heard the word. Wow. Would that infuriate you? To go, hold on a minute. That dude wasn't in church every Sunday. That dude didn't go to midweek every Sunday. Or every Wednesday. That dude didn't go to Crossbreak. That dude didn't. None of that. Well, you know, we have all the things that. And they're going, no, no, but they heard the word of the Lord and repented. Like, they actually slowed down enough to hear the voice and had this radical change. And so that's the thing he's saying. And, and by the way, uh, he said, the queen of the south will rise into judgment with this generation and condemn it. So he's like, if the Assyrians didn't make you angry that they're in heaven ahead of you, the Egyptians certainly will. Because you're going to go, oh, who let them? Okay. 
and this again gets us, we can cocoon ourselves into this culture of going, hey, we're okay, right? Any you rich, we're okay. We're all right. No, no, we're okay here. Like, we have the right name on our church building. We have the right websites. We have the right resources. We read the right books. We're the right people. Come on, bro. And that was genuine. And he's going, no, 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 no. The people who have taken on a deteriorate you, you see who's in ahead of you. Because you stop listening. Like you're trying to run a race and you're not hearing me. You're not obeying. You haven't stopped and said, hold on a minute. What am I called to be? That's what I'm doing. And I know it's hard, but it's going to take faith. And that's where I'm going. That's very different then. But it makes sense for me to do it this way. But no, I want to do this. But I'm going there and God will meet me. See the difference? All right? And this vivid illustration. So that's the question. So we're going to take communion right now. It's really interesting. Jesus equated himself with Jonah. He said, just like Jonah was in the fish for three days, he said, I'm going to be in the earth for three days and I'm going to rise again. And so I'm honoring all the people that repented through Jonah's message. How much more my message? Right? He's painting the picture for us today so we can't go, oh, but that was Jonah, Old Testament, doesn't have anything to do with that. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm Jonah. I'm like coming, me rising from the dead is like him going and getting, you know, regurgitated onto the land. Like, hear me and obey me no matter what anyone else says. No matter how hard it is, no matter how much it wars against what you want to do, if I've said it, do it my way. Okay? That's what he's calling us to do. So as we take our communion, let's think about a couple things and maybe we'll talk about these things. Is Number one, this is applicable to us in 2 Corinthians 5, is he is making his appeal through us. Okay, Maybe you're hung up on the idea of discipleship in Jesus is discipleship forever, so I'm not buying that. Except 2 Corinthians 5 is all about that. Because I'm making my appeal through you. Like I'm working in you, so you go ahead and appeal to others. Do the people in your circles, your family, your church family, and your friends, are they the recipients of God's good news because of the way he's working in you? And do they know that? Not for you to say but that they know that. Like, yes, I hear that coming from you. Is there any part of your life that you're running away from? Mm -hmm. That you're going, no, 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 I cannot do this part. I don't want to do this part. This is going to inconvenience me. That's one of the things I think we probably run away from, is inconvenience. Like, no, that will inconvenience me to do that. God wants me to be have everything like right in front of me. Like, you know, wherever we live, there should be like a Publix right next door, a mall on the other side of us, mountains in front of us, you know, a pristine river behind us. Like, I should never have to move more than like 10 feet because God will give me everything. He'll never inconvenience me. Right? But maybe that's what we're running from is I want life to be convenient as God is calling me to inconvenience. And the last question is, what is God providing you? Like, what is he providing? And, and that requires us to, like, look at it. Right? Remember what God provided to Jonah. A fish to eat him. A vine came in. That was fantastic for a couple hours. And then he's like, go on, the worm. Eat the vine. I'm going to provide the worm and the wind. That hot, blustering wind. 
to, because, because I want to make you holy. And for Jonah, that's what it took. But what has God provided you? What has God provided me? That I'm looking at, I'm looking at it like, I'm looking at it like, why are you on my back? Why are you telling me this? Why is this frustrating? Why is that happening? Why is all that? And God's going, well, I'm like providing you to help you be holy. Well, how come Ben has it so much easier? Because Ben is like listening. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Like, maybe he's listening. You're like, Ben, come here, bro. Like, how, how did you, can you help me out? And then we got to help each other go, when are you listening? Like, when are you going away and listening to the voice of God to obey? Because without that, we're going to run a very frustrating race. And I'm not sure who's going to be at the finish line. All I know is when it's the gospel, Jesus is at the finish line. And that's and, and at the end, we're not going to go there and go, oh man, I wish all of this. No, no, no. We're going to be like, oh, thank God. Thank God you provided these things for me to stay focused on you. Thank God that you provided these things to help me become holy so I can help other people. Like you work in me, it's working.